Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan, who is fresh from bathing his testicles in the sunshine like fresh plums picked from his organic plum tree. Like he's just laid them out nice and purple and fresh, just there. Because according to Paul Saladino, MD, you can absorb a lot of vitamin D through your balls. Now, tell me I'm wrong, dude. This is where you got this hack from. <laughs> How is it that this is me <laughs> and not you? What you dude, just, I, what? by the way, the thing is, I've been doing it for years anyway. <laughs> I didn't even know I could absorb vitamin D through my balls, but apparently you can. Yeah, your neighbours have been complaining about it for the last five years. Damn straight, they have. Well, here's the thing. Usually you're Mr. Nudie Naked, aren't you? But I did read about that, and it might have been Paul Saladino, or in fact, there's a few other sort of, let's call them wellness and health gurus, who are currently extolling the virtues of making sure that your um, your scrotal sac, shall we yes. call it, or I don't know if it's all the other bits and pieces that go alongside that as well, get a little bit of a blast of vitamin D as well. Damn straight. And so what I did was, I shouldn't share this online, on the you, podcast. You, you must, you must. You get home from a surf, often... Will and I, because we're fortunate to live near our own break, and I train with different clubs on a like Saturday morning, but you get home in the wetsuit, so you're outside your own house. Often you're not overlooked. As you're getting changed, you're getting out of your wetsuit, and you put a towel around yourself, you think, I wonder if those guys are onto something with this sort of ball-sunning activity. <laughs> so I did sit there for a little bit, of like five minutes, until my dear wife came out and said, what on earth are you doing? Did you just sort of spread the legs and then pull the towel, the curtains, <laughs> like, dri- like pull the curtains apart and bring the towel on the outsides of the thighs to sort of reveal the goods? Or did you, like a re- did you more just completely go like, nude? How was Like it? a theatre curtain to reveal a really, really, really bad act on the new Britain's Got Talent show. <laughs> oh no, oh. who's this that's arrived? God, they're terrible. The, the Royal Variety performance. Oh, awful. I mean, I've, I've produced a number of dead donkeys over the years. Now, let me describe what a dead... What? Well, listen. Now, you're confused, I know, and the listeners are confused. Listen, I know everyone's confused right now. A dead donkey is, is, a, <laughs> is, 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 is a descriptive term for when you're in the car park getting changed. This applies to men and women. I don't know why we call it a dead donkey. Listen, let's not go there. It's when you slip. Now, you're getting your stuff on. You're getting your wetsuit on, your bikini on, your board shorts, whatever you're doing. You've got a towel and it's wrapped around your waist. Now, we all have a surface unless... You get like a robey. Now, that's what's quite good about robies, but it can still happen. This can still happen to people wearing a robe yeah. over your body is that you slip. And upon slipping, you reveal your goods to everybody in the car park. Uh, and whether that's like slip on one foot, getting your suit on, like with bum in the air, or whether it's that you fall on your back and <laughs> your genitals are on display, it's called the dead donkey. I've done it where my towels... <laughs> My, t- my towel's fallen off. You're giving yourself a bit of a compliment there, Don- using the word donkey. Well, I know. Well, this is, see, that's the trouble, Liam. I think this is maybe where it comes from. Have you actually seen donkeys? You might want to rephrase this a little bit. I need to rephrase this as the, the dead mouse. <laughs> yeah, subconsciously, maybe that's where my male, male ego is coming in. It's like, yeah, it's a donkey. It's a, no, 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 Will. It is not. Yeah. But, yeah, it has happened. And I've had times where... I remember being um, in a car park in Cornwall. My whole ass just fell out because uh, the towel fell off and I was getting my wetsuit on and it just was out. And then I heard this little sort of heckle slash compliment from behind and uh, yeah, just, yeah, took it. And thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your kind words. Thanks, Alan Stokes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, the interesting thing on all of this 
is I was sort of actually thinking aloud. I was having a lunch on the beach and it was a sunny day and I thought, go for a swim. Us Brits particularly do this kind of very awkward change in and out of our swimmers, don't we, on a beach mm. to go and have a dip and then vice versa. And there's like the towel dance, pre-roby or pre-dry robe or pre-poncho you know, poncho towel, whatever it is. You see all sorts of guys and lots of women as well struggling with either getting undressed or dressed under a towel on a beach. It's undignified. Why don't we just get changed as a society? You know, I think Germans handle this way better than we do. It's literally, a, it's a few seconds. You're getting changed. Let's get changed. But we're, we're very big on the old indecent exposure over here, aren't we? I am such a big fan of this conversation because when I've been in France, it's the most liberating change of your life. There will be times, now listen, I know I like being nude. It's not new. To, if you're new to the show, I like being nude, by the way. We'd come from the campsite and I would sling my wetsuit over my shoulder because I knew that it was so hot on this surf trip we were on that it was actually going to be impossible getting my foot through the suit because they get so sticky and you can actually tear holes in your wetsuit accidentally if you get too hot and it's all get like, you know, that sweat and you're yeah. trying to get your foot through your suit and whatever. Anyway, I, on this trip, would sling my wetsuit just over my shoulder, butt naked, carry my board, didn't even need a towel because it's France and the whole half of the beach is nude. It's like, look, go with whatever you want to go with. And no one's even looking because it's so normal. And I get to the beach, I get to the shoreline and I'd change actually in the ocean, very lovely, reasonably warm ocean. I'd get the suit on and I'd get it all over and on me without even having to think about a towel. And it was wonderful. No one batted an eyelid. Everyone's <laughs> used to everyone else being naked and it's okay. Now, listen, here's the thing. Did I wear... Well, here's the other thing. Do you think there's a lot of French people on the beach laughing and going, Eh, regarde, les anglais sweet. I think that means the little mouse in French. <laughs> it's funny because go- I was like, what does that even mean? Right, okay, the little yeah. mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, probably. I think, I think the French for donkey is souris. <laughs> well, listen, have you seen... Sorry, apologies to any French people listening who I've pronounced that incorrectly. Here's the thing. On this very topic, have you seen Noah Dean surfing nude in France? Because it's like, dude, that looks so liberating, so enjoyable. I mean, Rip Curl have always talked about the Mirage board short. It's like wearing nothing. Well, how about just wearing nothing? Well, actually, there's quite a... And I haven't seen it, but Flick, or Felicity Palmatier, Australian surfer, great surfer, great big wave surfer, artist, like a really super, super talented human being in terms of what she does with art and surfing. She did a documentary, I think it's on Vimeo and YouTube, it's a pay access, where she explores exactly that. Why can't she want to surf naked? Why can't she surf naked? It's just a human body. And I must check that out, actually. She did a huge publicity around it to say, well, why shouldn't she be free to surf naked as a woman on a beach that she knows? There is an important theme in that, that we always talk about, make it serious and attach it to mindfulness as well, is that ultimately, if you're prepared to strip back to that and you're not bothered about what people think then you are truly liberated damn straight i well, love that I although love there that is message. a although there is a time and a place time and place and i am just picturing you deciding to surf nude from now on we're heading out through the lineup and i'm south of you you're oh, north of don't me. even and, in and, your mind. and i can see this sort of misty cave of no glute hole hair and whatever because surfboards are fascinating like this it makes both men and women's bottoms look curvy than they really are. I was in Hawaii, and first time there, I was paddling around, and I was like, God, these beautiful, these curvy bums. Like, surfboards make your back arch, like, more. 
than it would online, like because it's sort of the way you have to arch your back. Is it? And I'm just wondering whether or not I could enjoy you arching your arsehole into my face as you paddle ahead of me. Now, listen, here's the thing. Anything's possible, but I'm thinking more Misty Cave. Let me just say Misty Cave <laughs> before you carry on. Any chance that we ever had of the godfather of surfboard manufacturer, Matt Biolos, sponsoring this show yes. is now dead in the water. Gone. Hey, what the hell are they talking about now? Talking about arseholes. <laughs> here's the thing, though. If Matt was going to do it, given that he's a fucking genius with surfboards, he would design it so that roughly where your pubic hair is, as you lay on your board, there would be, like, you know how Velcro works? You've got the Velcro grippy, like, bit, and you've got the fluffy bit. So what he would do is make sure that you don't have wax and you damn straight don't have the grippy bit because then your poos are stuck and you're never going to stand on your surfboard if you do that. But what he'll do is, very cleverly, put a nice sort of moustache-shape piece of fluff right where your pubes would be when you lay on your board. So when you go to snap up, it doesn't stick. Now, this is the kind of guy he is. This is a double concave with a pube saver. (laughs) Yes, Matt. We've got the double concave on the front for the balls and we've got the... Uh, Listen, if you're just new to to the show, if you're new to the show, it is genuinely about mindfulness and surfing. We we sort of get onto that eventually. Here's the thing. We have surfed recently and as recently as yesterday morning and the day before as well. How did you find it? They've been dream sessions. And I'm very conscious that if you're listening to this, you haven't haven't been in the water. It's it's frustrating to sometimes hear people say they've had their session of their year almost. Or that you should have been here earlier. Oh, Oh, you should have seen it yesterday. It was amazing. Oh, you just missed it. Oh, cheers for that. Yeah. Great today, isn't it? Oh, it's good today, but ooh, yesterday was firing. Yeah, oh, don't, don't. Some insights from this as well, but just in terms of yesterday we had a local surf and it, it just went off, didn't it? It was like a rare summer swell where the wind dropped and the sun came out and the morning was an epic session of pretty clean pumping waves, which as regular listeners will know, is not our usual mush burger treats that we like to sort of tuck into on a usual basis. But the day before, we'd also been up to the North Coast. Will and I had a little trip and surfed very, very lovely, peeling waves and a peak that we'd managed to find to ourselves. So we'd stitched these two, you know, dream surf moments together back to back. What I really found with that is, as we've been talking a lot about like progression as well and, you know, some of the technical aspects of surfing is once you get waves that are a- you're able to sort of put into practice all of the frustrations that you've been trying on some of those Mushburger waves, it's amazing what starts to happen if you've put in the time, energy, effort to learning. And, you know, whether somebody on the beach would have concurred if they were doing some critical surf analysis or not. But I felt that things like the cutbacks were so much better. The kind of speed generation down the line was better. And even a few, dare I say, over the foam floaters were kind of coming in that, you know, two years ago, I would have had no chance of completing, even though I've been trying to surf for 20 years. And so you go, Wow, it's when those moments all align, you can't force them. They just kind of come out of nowhere. That's what surfing is all about. The good times come, you've got to embrace them while they're there. And you take that out of the surf and the levels of like stoke and joy and calm and, you know, all of the dopamine released because you've not only been in the water, but you've done things that you've been trying to do for ages. It really has a mystical quality to it. I mean, what I'm still on a high from those last two days is, and if you're a surfer, if you're used to getting in the water, you'll know what we're talking about. It's that kind of, you take those very rare moments where everything works well, and that's what keeps you going sometimes for the rest of the year or even beyond. So true, dude. It's amazing to have a sport that's good for mind, body, and soul. Yeah. That's rare. 
and very special. I can't even answer why the Solbit feels like it's that. It's just it just is that. When you get a real bomb and, and you get that experience of that wave that we've all had, and or at least that you hope you'll have if you're new to the sport or have had a break from surfing for a while, is that you can get those waves they, and they just lock themselves into your memory bank and vortex and subconscious and just everything. They, they lock themselves in for the rest of your life. It's like a, you'd have to have a serious sieve of a memory to forget that experience. And that's what's really cool about being able to relive waves as well at times. I do this thing where I relive... Like in the evening, especially after a special day of yeah. surfing, you relive those ways. You can really mind surf a lot of those ways again. And that's a really cool thing as humans. You know, would a dog be able to do that? Well, who knows? Does a dog have a memory like that? Maybe on a more body, cell, subconscious level. But this human mind we have, this ability to truly replay like a movie mm. and the pictures that you could generate is really, really special. I have to say, I had this thing where... On the day that we surfed, the day before, you know, when we were driving down, we drove down. Yeah. And I did this thing where I look at it and I make this judgment about the conditions, which is normal. I think we all do this. And we were driving down the hill and I was looking at the waves and I thought, okay, it's not great. And so immediately what I'm doing is I'm looking across at Liam and saying, Liam, we've got to go to the other spot. And there's this other spot we won't name, which is a bit heavier, a bit punchier. It's going to be more popular. It's a more competitive wave. It's more high performance, et cetera, et cetera. But I knew deep down, I was like, nah, let's just stick with this because the vibe is right. And if we put out a good vibe, we're still going to have a great time. We're just going to put out that good vibe. Bring the stoke, as we all say on this show, bring the stoke into the ocean. Yeah. Don't wait for it to generate it for you, which it could, it might. First and foremost, you got to bring it. Because we all know when we've done those surfs, when we don't bring that stoke, and it just doesn't, it never works. It just, you hit your head on your board, you can't get a wave, there seems to be people in the way. Your low vibe and our low vibe generates low vibe moments in the ocean but if you bring that good energy i'm just going to enjoy it see what waves i can get whatever we then ran with the waves were it only looked about one to two feet in sloppy and then it was like no no let's just enjoy it while we're in the car park by the time we actually ran towards the beach there's these beautiful three to five foot peaks and we're like i almost was like where was that yeah when we were (laughs) when we first drove down and then ran down the beach get in and score score some absolute bombs but i see this and experience this aspect of vibration creating my experience all the time. And in particular with surf, surf is very, very powerful in this way. I know for certain that it's to do with my vibe and what I'm attracting. The details of that as to the, the deeper why, like, what, you know, why is that happening? Well, I don't know. And I don't think scientists can answer that, but they're getting closer. I think Joe Dispenza is getting better at answering this, this whole aspect of you are the placebo. You create your experience. And that there's this, you know, in terms of his research that he's discussed, that you have this four meter radius. Have you heard about this? Yeah, there's your this energy. four meter radius of your energy field, which is a real thing. This is not just a, you know, hugging trees and singing, you know, kumbaya like woo woo shit. This yeah. is actual real physics. Now, whether they can answer that truly conclusively or not in our lifetime, I don't know. But I think when you're on a spiritual journey, a mindful journey, you spot these things all the time. And then the question then becomes is if I am attracting, stuff into my life and I keep not having the surfs that I want and they keep not going well, how could I get back to that place? How could I get back to that place of, of good stuff so that the good stuff can come back to me again? Because again, we bring that stoke, the stoke will find you. And I think it really is about just being present and letting go of expectations. I think it's the biggest key. Yeah. When people then start doing this thing where they go, oh, you can't expect that what you did with your mind started to like 
attract waves in your direction. Well, actually, as outlandish as that sounds, yeah, that is what I believe. And that's your prerogative to believe it. And that's it. it. And, and actually, we, we, we even were kicking about the idea of where the original mindfulness book is in the religious text in a way. You know, we talk about Eckhart Tolle and George Spencer, but if you read bits of biblical text and you apply certain metaphors for what is the here and now, you know, if God is omnipresent and he's, you know, he's, he's everywhere and nowhere at the same time, well, that's like your own presence, isn't it? It's within you. The universe and whatever uh, nirvana you're looking to aspire to is not anywhere else other than within your own cellular system, if you can look at it like that. And you can start to then go, well, okay, you can pull all of those kind of stories and fables and metaphors together and you can sort of take them into your own life. And even if you're not particularly religious, which I'm not, you go, okay, actually, yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff in there. The key to it, I think this kind of when you're talking about like create your own vibe, that's where Eckhart Tolle does talk about the principle of you're the person that puts joy into that. Of course, as we were saying last week, you do get joy from those things. But the more you go to those things, it doesn't have to be surfing, this is life as well, with intention of putting joy into it, even the most mundane task, eventually there is a rebound effect that comes back to you in, in joy because you're already in a high vibe, you're already happy. And I'm having to talk to myself here, cleaning the work surfaces, washing the pots, doing whatever it is. God, it's hard to put joy into that stuff. But when you do, it feels pretty good. And so I came true. back from that surf and did those things with a massive smile on my face. And it's because I was already in that kind of highly energetic, joyous phase from having scored these hugely great waves. That's so awesome, dude. And you're listening to this and you probably, not definitely, but probably got surf mates yeah. or a surf partner or something like that. And what you'll start to find as you grow through your journey and I'm going to black and white this for the sake of what I'm saying here. But of course, there's nuance. We all go through different states, even ourselves within one day. But overall, you will start to really want to be around those surfers who want to bring stoke to the ocean because it makes you feel stoked first that then you bring it to the ocean. And then there will also be people that you've surfed with that you just naturally don't want to be surfing with as much and don't want to be going on as many road trips trips abroad or whatever it might be, when you start to notice that what they're doing is relying on the ocean to make them feel stoked and happy. Because when you have that kind of character, well, how often does this ocean truly provide what that person's looking for in their surfing experience? Well, it's damn fucking rare is what it is. Because surf, first and foremost, is mostly sloppy, even around the world, unless you're in Bali or somewhere where, you know, Indo, where it is mostly perfect all the time. Surf around the world is mostly sloppy. It's mostly cross-shore, onshore. You know, it does different things. You have to accept that surf is just what it is. But the thing is, if you have that kind of character where they're always just waiting for perfection, there's never this stoke that they bring to the experience. So what you find is you're just around this low vibe and it pulls you into that low vibe and you start yourself going, yeah, it's the waves that are making me like go, no, this is shit. And why, you know, why even bother surfing? And then you go, no, wait a second. No, 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 no. Wait a second. The only reason why I'm being pulled into that is because my ego cares greatly about what they would think if I was to just bring Stoke anyway. Because if I was to just bring Stoke anyway, it's a true sign of vulnerability. Because being vulnerable is being that inner child. It's like everyone has this inner child of just enthusiasm for even small things. But we cover it up That's with the crust of, oh... It's just a bit of shit. That was the J.M. Barry thing, wasn't it? Who wrote Peter Pan? I think, it was that. I think that's the dude. And um, Peter Pan says something like, you know, don't grow up. It's a trap. If you're with certain people, that's why there's a whole thing about surround yourself with pretty open, interesting, 
joyful souls who've got your best interests at heart and theirs actually because they make themselves feel good as well they make you feel good if you're around people and we've all done it as we've grown up and still can sometimes fall into the trap of being with naysayers and those who actually as well they make you feel like you can't enjoy the things you like because they might judge you for it and this whole then judgment becomes toxic instead of us being in a genuinely live and let live world where you know, we can all have great buddies who enjoy different things. And because they enjoy those different things, that brings even better energy to the party. But this kind of boxing and labels, and we sometimes put those around ourselves where you say, oh, oh, hang on, that guy is a, oh, he's a CEO of this bank. How on earth can he enjoy, I don't know, crochet or uh, knitting or whatever it might be? He does that? He skateboards? What? He needs to grow up. (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, you know, live the life you want to live and enjoy it and be around those people who allow you to live that life. Damn straight. You know you're surrounded by the kind of surfing friends that you want to be when they are genuinely stoked for your wave of life, like the wave of your life. Like, you know, when someone sees you get the wave of your life, it's like the joy gets doubled because they've seen you get it. You've seen that they've seen you get it. And then when there's a shared experience all around that, you start to just double it and double it and double it. And there's that great quote, which is a joy shared is a joy doubled and a problem shared is a problem halved. I mean, I remember researching this for my book, that the happiest people in the world in this research study they found were those people who could be genuinely, and I put that word genuinely into inverted commas, genuinely happy for someone else's success. That became the hallmark of someone's own level of happiness. Because if you don't feel like you have anything that you're lacking, why wouldn't you be happy for someone else? Oh, dude. If there's nothing lacking and you're in the ocean anyway... Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect at this. If I go through that bit, which we all will do as surfers, where you just sort of out your flow and no you're, not getting, no you're, not, perfect. you're not getting waves and you start... So, oh, I could do the wave. I could do, But eventually you'll start to spot. If your mind's doing that, you'll go, oh, yeah, I'm just the insane ego mind that there it is let it part back in the ocean right cool and then hoot and holler your mate and what can happen is you hoot and holler your mate who's just scored the wave of their life and then because it was genuine you turn around bang and there's a wave right and you're you're right in the right spot and then boom you're there and i swear this whole conversation around attraction with waves is probably what helps someone who's in a positive vibe progress their surfing way faster than someone who doesn't because they just don't get the waves yeah it's a cruel but very, very fair universe in that sense. And it's almost as if some people in that realm see certain things, be it success or waves, as a finite resource. That if they don't have it before you, they're not going to, you know, the cake is gone. This sort of stuff that we're exploring doesn't work like that. We're not talking about finite resources. The more you see it as an infinite resource and the kind of abundance is there. That's the word. And you're really happy and grateful. And like I said, we're human. So yeah, there are times. Especially when we start surfing together, I'm like, fucking hell, is he getting, in? he's getting all the bloody waves. <laughs> there are those yeah. sessions. You have sessions sometimes where your mate just, next one, yeah. next one. And they just seem to be in the flow. Yeah. And they just, it's just happening for them. Yeah. There are those sessions and you have to just go, yeah, my day will come. Maybe it's not today. The moments you access that place of being, you know, authentically stoked for other people, whatever they've got in their life, is actually a really lovely sensation. Well, there's a lot of closed minds, for whatever reason, they found themselves in that place that really have elements that sit within this kind of realm of feeling that they are looking at finite resource and that somebody else's success is their failure, which is not genuine, deep, spiritual truth of the matter. Not, not at all. We have this with podcasting because 
we have other podcasters who do surf shows. Yeah. And if we were to ever have the thought that there's not enough listeners for our show, yeah. well, guess what's going to happen to the show? Yeah. Just go fucking nowhere because we won't be creative enough, present enough to actually yeah. engage in what we're doing here. So the show will be successful when we know deep down, because this is the absolute truth, that there is enough for everybody. If you have a belief that there's not enough, you will manifest the same. If you have a belief that there is enough, because actually we are in a kind universe, it comes back to that Albert Einstein quote, the most, which he said in his quote is, the most important question that a human can ask themselves is, do I live in a friendly or unfriendly universe? And if you truly believe in a friendly universe, which you can't force, but you can sense and feel when you do enough stillness work and presence work that you actually start to realize that there's this other dimension that you can tap into called, you know, the matrix or the quantum realm or the higher vibe or just being more grounded or present. There's so many ways to describe it, but when you start to tap G-land, pipeline. Jam straight. But when you're in those places, you can sense the friendliness that's there. And you don't know how, you don't know why, but you just can. Joe Suspenza talks about this. It's when you become heart-centered. Most people are just in their head all the time. So no wonder they believe in an unfriendly universe. Because when you're in your head, you're in your ego. And if you're in your ego, you're in separation. And separation says, if they have X, then I don't have X. As in, if they have it, then I don't have it. Because look what they have. And we do this comparison thing. And we have this superiority thing and the inferiority thing. And the mind will never cease on that. Now, what you've got to do eventually is better go, fuck, I'm in my ego. And my ego believes in scarcity. And it's afraid. And it's all illusionary. And when you bring yourself back to heart and your heart center, through practices of meditation and whatever it might be for you, just presence and more deep breathing, health practices and kindness, acts of kindness. I mean, there's a list of things. When you start doing that and you become more heart-led and heart-centered as opposed to head, you know intuitively it's a, a friendly universe. You can just feel it because you're right there on the thing that matters really, truthfully, the most. But you have to put the work in. Yeah, that's it. There's no shock. In the same way that you have to put work, the work in to do a cutback or a float or whatever you're trying to achieve level. It could be standing up on a surfboard. It could be lying down on a bodyboard and getting barrel, like whatever it might be. Nothing comes without putting a bit of hard work into it. And this is what we're trying to work on as well. We're putting the hard work in to try and get this. Because I don't always feel that good for other people, especially if straight, just dropped in on the latest <laughs> wave. though. <laughs> Especially when your mate has patented the pube repeller that goes on Matt Bardis's board and he's just made five million quid. And he's in the mental ways, getting massaged on the shoulders whilst being fed Nasi Goren, being told by his surf coach that he's about to go out and have Lance's right booked all to himself for three hours. <laughs> you think we missed a boat on Dragon's Den or a shark tank in <laughs> the US? Something like that. What do you want? We want... Uh, a billion quid yeah. for the new yeah. fr- front top deck, uh, double channeled ball groove and um, pube protector. <laughs> Listen, it's funny. You, you know where you're at in your state of happiness and wellness when you can receive an email from your friend or WhatsApp of them three feet, six feet, whatever you want, deep inside a turquoise blue barrel, almost like stroking the lid with like this gleaming smile, you know you're in a good place when you can be happy for someone for that. Because it's like the epitome of, wow, the yeah. surfing thing, the barrel, the blue water, the warm water, the traveling, the sunshine, that you know, all those things that we conjure as surfers, the dream, the mm. dream situation, which by the way, we just adapt to anyway, after a few weeks of 
being it in the mental ways. Although, quite frankly, I would take that right now. Would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, it's really interesting. On the, we get asked this a lot. Where's your dream surf destination? Where would you go? And of course, it's aspirational to have the list. But I, from a deep place within my heart, the surf of the last two days, I wouldn't trade for any other place on the planet. Me too. So true. It is actually in the end. It, it, when you really break it down, it's quite a big statement to make because a lot of surfers would go, hey, bullshit. What's that knobhead saying now? Or the other, mate, have you heard what these two bloody idiots are saying again? He wouldn't go on a jeep. He'd rather be surfing his bloody mushburger. He's got a first-class ticket to G-Land. What a fucking prick this guy is. He could be in G-Land getting fucking shacked. Yeah. And he's just doing crappy little cutbacks. These boys have just turned down two tickets to Kelly's Wave Pool. For what? A fucking mushburger. <laughs> Sorry for the swear. Well, maybe not Kelly's Maple. Then maybe I would would take that one. As long as you don't have to listen to him play his bloody guitar every evening afterwards. Correct. Hey, guys, i got a new song for you. No, we've heard it, Kelly. Thank you. Cheers, Kelly. Just shush now. I think I'd just stay quiet. I wouldn't say anything. I'd just be staring at him. I think I'd stare. Just stare. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. So, segment number two, the mindful surfer, just a couple of moments to check in with your breathing, raise your awareness of the present moment. So take a deep breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And take a breath in. And breathe out. Let's do two more breaths. Really notice how your breath is the anchor, the ultimate anchor to the present moment because it's the thing that kind of signifies life itself. So take that breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And last deep breath in through your nose. Really notice the air going in through your nose. And just notice the air as it leaves your body. All the way to the end of the breath. Right to the end. That's great. I always remember Eckhart Tolle talking about this concept of my and my life and my surf and my this and my that. And we need to use that expression in conversation because it helps us describe, you know, what we've been doing, what we've been getting up to, etc. Except the ego attaches itself unconsciously to this my aspect as a real thing. And so rather than say, I have my life, my life is this, and I do this and this, and it's actually that you are life. You are life happening and unfolding now. As in, there is an aliveness within you that's right there and then if you so choose to awake to it and be just basically truly present. Truly present to your mind, truly present to your senses, truly present to everything that's going on right now in this moment, no matter what that experience is. Because we all fall into this trap of assuming we have a life, like it could be a thing. Because we even do it with our houses, you know, my house. Well, again, yes, for the sake of conversation and signing forms for house insurance and for the sake of staying within the remit of society and actually functioning we need to have these kinds of terms and expressions but when you really think about it there's no such thing 
you go into this building. Yes, I know it's a building, but where you are is inside, not outside. And it's this Joe Dispenza expression, which is that you are no one, nowhere, in no time. Everything that we talk about with this aspect of what we call this mindfulness and mindful surfing is to remind yourself and remember that you are those things, that you are no one, nowhere, in no time. And that's what surfing does, doesn't it? Surfing is, like you said many times, Liam, is the back door. Well, I have to give Jerry Lopez a credit Into for that. Into presence. I, oh, sorry, Jerry says it. Although hopefully he's going around saying, hey, there's a guy on this uh, great <laughs> yeah, show. And, yeah. uh, there's this guy saying, the, I, I sure I remember saying that yeah. one time. <laughs> He'll be seeing it on one of our memes. Yeah. Has he fucking vested? I said that. That's it's right. a cheat code, isn't it? You know, my folks said something really good to me as I was growing up, which sort of resonates with me now as we're doing this, that all of the stuff, all of the kind of material stuff that we have or that we accumulate, that we attach ourselves to, like you say, attach an identity to, even if it's really important to you, it's just rented because you can't take it with you. You know, even if we own it and by own in the construct of our uh, society that gives you a contract and says, hey, this is yours now. Well, it's yours for as long as you're inhabiting this old uh, human body that you, you're living in. After that, it's somebody else's and you pass it on. And you're really just a custodian of all of the stuff that you touch physically in this world, aren't you? Until you're no longer here. Can I say with one exception? Yeah. I get what you're saying, dude. Yeah. I have one exception. The lost bottle jumper. Thank you very much. That goes into the grave yeah. with me. No one gets that. <laughs> dude. Mind, body, stoke, segment number three. Anything that you've been working on with your mind and body to raise the stoke? I mean, we almost covered the things of the, the mind and body bit to raise the stoke. For me, was the sort of surf stuff and the surf gains. You know, we've been talking on the show for over a year now out in the sort of public realm. But all of the mind work-ons of getting more comfortable on takeoffs, not worrying too much about what people think when you are on the wave, but sort of quieting the mind in the moment that you're uh, in a critical time for your own surfing whatever that level is and for me it was a big work on the takeoffs and then getting the body fit enough to surf so paddle fitness uh, leg fitness ankle fitness you know all of the kind of chain from the ground up all of those things working together to improve the surf experience so if you're happy riding the white water if you're happy just going down the line surfer that's great because everybody's sort of experience of surfing is different but where i've been trying to raise my sort of stoke levels as you know will is that trying to get the mind and body gains in order to improve my surfing, in order to dial up the level of the flow experience. It doesn't always come together like this, but there are moments when the hard work that you've put in on mind and body connect together in a session that raises the stoke level. It's fortunate that we're recording the show today because we've had two days where those things have all come together. It shows you that if you put the work in, a bit like we were talking about putting the work into the inner stuff, the sort of soul work, if you like, that hard work there, the actual physical and mental gains of putting all of this work in that we talk about on the show every week to enable you to get more flow experience out of your surfing. And when it happens, boy, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. It's really cool. I've certainly found that in smaller waves where you might have to grab a board that is longer, bigger, whatever, yeah. that the challenge within that is, certainly if you become more experienced as a surfer, is to get the flow experience. Because hand on heart... I'll be really honest, I get way more flow from when the waves get seriously on. And that's anything north of six feet. Six to ten feet, really going, full on. My mind just gone. Pure flow. As long as it doesn't go over that. When I, start, I think for me, when I start going beyond that 10-foot realm, 12 foot, you know, really getting huge. 
I lose a lot of focus because obviously the adrenaline kicks in too much and you're actually fearing your safety and things. And so that's when you're then out of the flow because you're more in the mind, worrying, whatever. But for me, that pumping, pumping surf is where I'm at my, my most flow. So the challenge for me has been, like we discussed earlier, bringing stoke. How can you create more flow within the sort of aspect of the tools you have at your disposal? How can you actually create that, that flow experience anyway, even when it's really junky, small, just tiny little peeling, crumbling, whatever's. It's been like the puddle jumper, it's been the longboard, it's been other bits of equipment that are very, very challenging to really make the most of those smaller waves on. In particular, a longboard, because what a longboard does and a nose rider, although it's long, it's very um, wobbly because they're designed to go really fast, like really quick in a straight line. So kind of glide. Mm -hmm. And what I found with the longboard is it takes a lot, a lot of balance. And because it's all that balance stuff and quickly on the nose, and then you've got to go to the tail and then back to the nose, and you've got to move up and down the board, is you can be on a really underwhelming little wall of water. But by virtue of moving around the board, you're creating flow because it takes so much concentration. The key one for me is if we always stay on the same board and stay on the same ways, expecting the same results, well, that's going to be tricky. Surf's going to change. You're going to change. The environment's going to change. There's only one permanent and it's change. And so you've got to adapt around that to find your surf happiness. And I've had to, in being in my, back in my hometown on very weak waves compared to what I was used to before, had to generate it myself and not get into this woe me thing. Like, oh, if I was just abroad again and just be able to do trips. Because I'm sure that's on a lot of people's minds. If you think about it, in the way that with COVID, yeah. what it's done to travel, there's a lot of surfers around the world who are like, fuck, I just want to get out of this got to get used. country and get back to some powerful ways or whatever. It's a pretty common thing. So you've got to eventually better bring it yourself into whatever you have available, basically. Again, we always say thank you, but to people who write in and a lot of people who don't surf and listen to the show and, and kind of take the surfing chat and apply it as we would we intend this to happen. This is what we're, we're trying to do as well. Apply it to the real world that we live in the on land stuff out of the saltwater places that we like to hang out the most if you can then do that so if you can put joy into the crumbliest of waves the mushiest of waves and you take that as a metaphor for what your most boring situations in life then you can go around with a smile on your face most of the time not all of the time because we're human and you can't have one state as you say all of the time there are good times there are bad times that's the deal we, we strike when we uh, pop into this uh, planet or pop onto this planet but yeah, I think if you can sort of get your head around that and appreciate what you have at any given time, like that's why I was saying, would I be rather be anywhere else? Not really. After the last couple of days, it was cool. But it takes a work on because we are creatures of aspiration and sometimes the fear of missing out kicks in. You're like, oh, wow, look at that over there. But trying different stuff, as you say, is a huge, huge thing to kind of bring the best of every single situation that you find yourself in. Yeah, absolutely do. I want to share body aspect for me to raise the stoke and it's been as listeners would know that tune into the show recent podcast is the kettlebell i've been training people's minds and bodies for life but also surf too for almost 15 years and have experienced a number of different training modalities for health and also performance and you know the old saying you say you can't teach an old dog new tricks well I am definitely being humbled by the kettlebell right now because I thought I'd made the gains that I could make out of the exercises that I do in terms of uh, Pilates, yoga, strength training, mindfulness, meditation work, breathing work, core stability training, you name it, whatever, balance training, yada, yada, and just working on my imbalances and whatever else it might be. But the kettlebell has been fucking cool 
because there's something very, very unique about kettlebell training. It's Pavel What's-His-Face. That's how I'm going to refer to his surname now. This is will tell <laughs> from my digestion of Pavel's wonderful content, which, by the way, I really recommend people watch this chap, Pavel. Type in Pavel Kettlebell Joe Rogan. Just Joe Rogan podcast. World's arguably probably most popular podcast. Yeah, he just pipped us to the last uh, award. He just pipped us. Just. He had maybe a couple more listeners, just two or three. Is it Pavel? The kettlebell Russian guy is on, on Joe Rogan. Mind-blowing what he discusses. But what he discusses is that dumbbells sit on one end and barbells the other. Now, dumbbells and bodyweight training are very, very, very safe and very linear, straight up and down. Just will get you stronger. You'll do lunges, you'll do squats, bicep curls, bent over rows, shoulder presses, whatever. You will get stronger. If you get stronger, you'll be a better surfer. Because like anything, it's an athletic sport. If you're stronger, you, you're going to turn harder, snap better, sit in the barrel deeper, whatever. On the other end, you have barbells. Now, barbells really strengthen the body, like way more than dumbbells. But barbells really increase the risk aspect to your imbalances. If you have a little bit of a tight back, a weak hips, you know, one neck has been stiff over the years or whatever. What barbells will do, they will magnify your imbalances way too much because of the sheer force that goes through the barbell when you deadlift, when you barbell squat, overhead press, etc. Because it's one long bar. So as humans, naturally, especially surfers, we're so imbalanced with all these old injuries and tightnesses. And we <laughs> Listen, for fuck's sake, we stand one foot forward, one foot back. Same, same foot. <laughs> it's always the same we foot. We look over the same shoulder. Look over the same shoulder, for Christ's sake. So right in the middle sits kettlebells. Kettlebells are much safer than barbells, but they're not so linear like a dumbbell. They've got this movement to them, this swing and instability, and they're all over the place. So what you've got to do is you've got to adjust to that when you do kettlebell swings, when you do Turkish get-ups. And I really want you to look into those two exercises. They're the most important ones to get right. Turkish get-up, just check that out, and a kettlebell swing. Mm. You get those going, and you get those going well, then you're weak. And if you do not have a significantly better snap, top turn, cutback, floater, whatever, then I will eat my pubic hair. A kettlebell. Okay? I, <laughs> I will eat my kettlebell. Yeah. A few people I, would like to see that, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. You've upset them. And you've got to ask why. Why does it do that? Well, actually, the main thing it does is it gets you strengthening all of the bits on humans that get weak over time, which is the glutes the hamstrings, the core, and what is known as your posterior chain. It's where 70% of your muscle sits on your skeleton. It's on the back of your body. And we don't even see it in the mirror. We don't even know what it's doing. It's like it's all down the back. That's where the real gains take place is around the back of your body. Now, again, who gives a shit how it looked? It felt fantastic. I've been staying consistently closer to the bowl and pushing harder through turns and completing them better in the last three or four weeks than I have in fucking long yeah. time yeah. long time it's amazing and it feels like it's the kettlebell amazing. it feels like it's the kettlebell amazing to see I think my grandmother had a kettlebell but it certainly wasn't the thing that she would lift to get anything other than a cup of tea she'd <laughs> ring it right Liam put the f- oh I get it that's yeah. quite, that's quite I'm funny. ringing the kettlebell you little frecker get the uh, kettle on she never swore but she did speak she did speak like that <laughs> have you not heard me ringing the kettlebell right now I want my please. 16th pint of tea she could drink pints of tea Jesus some people drink the size so much tea dude yeah Jesus never touched a drop of booze nice ever very good but Christ you put some tea away Surf Media Insight last segment do you want to share anything dude is there anything there in all honesty I've been 
out as apart from working, which is a thing that we all have to do in this what life, isn't it? I've actually been doing a lot of outside stuff myself, so I've not been. And because we've got this thing called the Euro we call it Euro 2020. It's a European football championship for those that listen yes. outside of the confines of this continent. Or soccer. Soccer. If you're soccer in America, ball. it'd be soccer. And uh, yeah, it's still Euro 2020, but actually it's Euro 21, but they've yes. postponed it for a year because of uh, something that's going on in the world. I can't remember now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Co- co- yeah. 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 Something. Something like that. And um, I've been where I can watching that, a bit of competitive sport. We've got loads of sport on the TV at the moment, haven't we? And I'm yep. not like fanatical about all these things, but we've yeah. got rugby, tennis, football it's all there so i haven't watched that much surf media but don't tell anybody don't tell anyone the thing that we discussed before the show is that it's amazing how people are so good at criticizing sports people and what they're doing and they're sat there (laughs) three stone overweight never ceases to amaze me can't even move their right hip properly can barely kick a football and they're offering critique I've just drunk 14 pints of refined seed oils. I could kick a ball better than that, lad. <laughs> what, you mean that athlete who's dedicated his whole life to having a great mind, body and soul that gets him to the top levels of his chosen sport? Yeah, that's, I'd like to see you try. It's just mind-blowing. And I think the thing is, one of the things that draws us to surfing, surfers, is that we tend not to have that. Okay, fair enough, if you're on the WSL, different. But surfing as a sport will, and listen, hopefully, be aided and supported by the viewers because the viewers are your friends and they want the best for you. Do you know, it's a really good point. Whereas all other sports, you will, even in a lower, lower level, you'll have people standing around the sidelines on the side of the court or wherever they're stood or whatever's going on with this, like, neggy, like, oh, why are you doing that? God, that was shit. Surfing is generally free from that. You know, people yeah. just go out and ride. You just go out on your board and you just go surf. Well, also, you know how difficult it is. And exactly. So, actually, you're right. So, you've got, let's say, unathletic fans shouting abuse at very athletic players in pretty much all competitive team sports. Presumably, whether you're watching, like, college uh, American football or you're watching a football match in the UK or a cricket match, you've got fans who have not ascended to that level telling professional athletes how shit they are. But you tend not to. You're absolutely right, dude. You don't get somebody stood on the beach at a WSL competition shouting, Hey, hello, hey, you suck, man! You suck! <laughs> My grandmother could cut back better than that. You just don't get that shit, do you? It, it, great. There's a lot more support. Yeah. And, like, well done, and, oh, listen, bad luck, whatever, yeah. than there is in others. Maybe because the people spectating and surfing have a really big appreciation of how difficult it is. Yeah, that's exactly it. But not only that... I think also it's because they get deep down that scoring it in the first place is a fucking joke. Now, fair enough, J-O-B can sit in the barrel for 6.2 seconds, whereas your average human at pipe can do three seconds. Now, can we score that? Yeah, well, it's just pure physics. I mean, Jamie O'Brien butt drags his ass on a foamy so deep in the barrel for so long. Now, he does that better than anyone. But the thing with that betterness is, does that equate to joy? And that's really the whole thing with surfing. Because the best surfer in the world is the one having the most fun. So I think the reason why surfers are not like spectators in other sports is because, yeah, I think they get how hard it is, but also B, it's like, how we even get into this thing where we're scoring it in the first place? And (laughs) hopefully most of our mindful surfers out. It's a broad church of people who want the best for their fellow surfing humans. That's the vibe, hopefully. That's the vibe. It's the vibe we'll bring, dude. We're bringing it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, been a joy, hasn't it? We shall be back and uh, next week. See you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye.